If you would, please turn the Bible to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. For those of you all that don't know, that are curious, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, we have uh, two different services here. They are uh, completely different services. The sunrise service is outside. That's a 7 a.m. service. Uh, that is different songs, different sermon, everything. And then we have 1045 in here, which is uh, our regular Sunday morning service with we have different, different sermon, different songs, and everything. You can choose to go to either one of those. You can go to both of those. There is a big breakfast in the middle of those. Um, sometimes there's a little bit confusion that those are the same service. Uh, it's not. It's two different, two different services. One's at 7 and one is at 1045. That's next Sunday morning. This Sunday, we're going to look at a passage here from Luke chapter 8 that is a passage that needs to be familiar to all Christians. We need to know this passage. This is one of those passages that speaks to uh, the work of God and the power of the word of God and, and the way that God is to work in the world through his word, the preaching of the word. And so we want to make sure here that we um, put this before you all that you will not forget it. Okay, this is the parable of the sower. It's a story that Jesus tells to help us know the way told parable that there is. It is in uh, all three gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All right, they're very similar. You can tell that, that, that this passage is uh, an important one. You can tell that this passage is one that they were to know. And we're gonna look at Luke's account today. Now, the Bible teaches that faith comes through hearing. As we are told the word of God, and as the gospel is shared with us, God works. He gives us ears to hear. He gives us hearts to believe. But he does that through the communication of the word, through the preaching of the word. The Bible says that the word of God is active and living, and it gets inside of us, and it goes to work on us. The Bible says that the word of God does not return void, that it always goes out and accomplishes the purpose for which God sent it. These are all things that we know about the word of God because God has taught us about it. The word of God is the, the way that God works in the world. This is why preaching, because they say that they're preaching, critical. For someone to stand up and say that they're preaching and only give their opinions or only talk about the, the current topics of the day and to avoid this is not preaching. It's some kind of speaking and influence or whatever, but it is not the way that God works. God works through this word being proclaimed. Our passage today will make that very, very clear. Not only that, the passage today is so e explained and clarified by Jesus that it hardly needs preaching. This passage is not one that you have to dig deep in. Every one of you all, upon reading it, will understand it. I'm not going to say anything today that you're going to go, I never knew that before. You're going to read this, and it's going to make sense to you from the start. You don't need me today to clarify anything. Now, you might need me today to emphasize it, and that's the way God works is through the preaching of the word. This passage today 
is a parable. A parable is when Jesus tells a story to make a spiritual point. It's not necessarily something true that happened. It's the parable of the sower. Read with me from Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his Seed. A sower is somebody that's going to spread, spread seed or plant. A, a, a farmer that's going to spread seed like this. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. All right, let me stop right there for just a second. That's the parable, all right? And and already some of you all were going, okay, I, I, I think I get it. But the reason why this passage is so good is because the disciples now ask a question and Jesus is going to explain it. The Bible doesn't always do that, but here it does. So let's keep reading in verse 9. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Incredible, right? Remarkable passage and emphasis here. J.C. Ryle, commenting on this very passage, says, Preaching is an ordinance of which the value can never be overrated in the church of Christ. But it should never be forgotten that there must not only be good preaching, but good hearing. That's the emphasis of Jesus' teaching today. We're living in a day with a lot of distractions, aren't we? It's hard to focus. It's hard to focus. Most people are trying to do two things at one time. Drive with their phones in their hands, watch TV with their phones in their hands. A lot of y'all watch TV with an iPad on your lap and you're doing two things at one time. We're distracted a lot, aren't we? We get about half the message. 
I can't tell you how many times Val sent me to the store with a list in my head and I have to get to the store and call her and say, what, what did you send me to get? We think we're listening, but we're not exactly getting it. It may, that be, it may not be that important if you forget the eggs and the milk at the grocery store. But if God is telling you to turn from your sins and be saved, if God is telling you to not love the world or the things in the world, and you're not fully getting it, you're in big trouble. Jesus serves us well to explain that to us. Very clearly, the seed is the word of God. So the sower is anybody that is sowing the seed. That certainly applies to somebody that's in my position this morning that stands up before a group of people and says, here's what the Bible says. But this goes so much further. This goes to every conversation that you have. This is when you speak about Jesus with a friend or a coworker. This is when you're riding in the car with somebody and a spiritual conversation comes up. This is what moms are doing. I'm reading a new biography right now on Charles Spurgeon, and I'm only through the first couple of, first couple of pages, and I've already found where Spurgeon says, nobody had as much influence in his life than the messages from his mom from the ages where he was four to nine years old. Charles Spurgeon says, nothing is more spiritually influent in his life than his mother's messages to him from ages four to nine years old. Think about that. Incredible. When we declare the word of God, when we tell somebody in any setting or context, here's what God says, we are sowing. We are planting seeds. We are throwing it out there. We are casting it. This passage from Jesus is all about that. So the seed is the word of God. The sower is anybody, a preacher, anybody that's spreading the word of God. But now here's where this gets real personal. And I know that this is why I wanted to share this passage today because this really, 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 really hits home with us. The, 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 the ground it lands on is your heart. The soil is speaking to our hearts. So there are four different responses to hearing the word of God here. Now there may be countless, but Jesus gives us four. There may be many, but Jesus gives us four real responses to hearing the word of God. Number one, we hate that this is the case, but the first response is no response. Indifferent. Unmoved. We evaluate the message as if it was good or long or short or if it was funny or something like that. But the word of God coming from God to us, no. The Bible teaches us here that it's the devil's influence. He keeps it from getting all the way to our hearts. We do not believe the truth. I want you to see it in both ways, the parable and the explanation. So verse five, a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. Your heart being the path, something else kind of distracted away from it and before you know it, it's not even influencing your life. 
It explained in verse 12 is the ones along the path are those who have heard, they heard it, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. This is such a scary thing. It's possible for you to be here today, love the egg hunt, wrapped hot dogs yesterday, couldn't wait to get back here this morning, hear the message, and before you're gone, repentance of sins and surrender to Christ is not going to happen. That's what Jesus teaches. It's possible for us to hear the word and not be moved by it. It's possible for us to walk in here, guilty in our sins, hear the word, think, you know, I really like that Josh guy. I could listen to him. Walk out of here with your heart being still the same. Crazy. But it's true. No response. Now, the reason why this feels so big and heavy is because it's the Bible, as I said in the intro, that has put before us that the Bible is this powerful word of God. We, we emphasize all the time that the, the strength is in the message, not the messenger. And yet, because of the devil's work, because of hardness of heart, there can be no response to it. Now, I want to share with you just two quick passages to get you thinking even further about what the word does so that we can see how bad it is when there's no response. Hebrews chapter 4 describes the word like this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen to this. Piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. And listen to this. And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God, when it gets inside of us, is able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Remember, the soil is representing the heart. And what the word does when it gets inside of us, it goes to work on that. Hopefully, you felt that and wrestled with that before. That the Bible is true and it, it says things. It says, do this. And it says, don't do that. And you're conflicted with who you are and how you live. And the answer to that is to run to Christ and ask him for forgiveness, knowing that in him is infinite mercy and he will forgive you of your sins because he gave his life. And yet there's some people whose hearts are hardened and they won't Receive it like that. So Ephesians explains that. I said there were two passages. That was Hebrews 4. But listen to what Ephesians 4 says in speaking about this. Ephesians 4 says, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Same word, heart. They have become, listen to this word, they have become callous and have given themselves up. Calloused hearts that have heard the truth but are unmoved by it. There are two needs in the world. 
Some people in the world do not know that God loves them and he will forgive all of their sins and he sent his son to die on the cross for their sins, to be their savior, and that he rose again, that he lives forever, and that Christ is king of kings and that one day every knee will bow to him. Some people have never heard that and it is one of our big desires and tasks to get that message to everybody. And collectively, believers are working hard to send that message to everybody in the world. Every single place, get the word to them. Some people don't even have the word. This passage here today doesn't even speak to that. There's a different passage in the Bible that speak to that. Some people in the world today do not even have the word. They've never even heard that Jesus died on a cross for their sins. They've never heard of that. But there's another need in the world. That's for the people like me or you that have heard it, that are unmoved by it. That's more so the need of, of, of our culture. I'm sure there are people that live around here that have never heard, certainly never heard of it clearly, but by and large, we've heard it, but we're unmoved by it. God says to love everybody, and yet we still hate. God says to strive for purity, and yet we still don't care to be pure. God says to watch our mouths, and yet we don't care how we talk. We're unmoved by what the Bible says. This is the first response that we see here. Again, verse 12 says it like this. The devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So here's the thing. The Bible is alive and it's working when it's preached. We know that. It's the fruit that we see all the time. Listening is hard. There are distractions, right? Some of you all don't bring an, an actual Bible anymore, and so you, you look at it on your phone. That's fine. I, I'm okay with that. I got the Bible on my phone too. But every single time that I look at my phone, messages come through, and notifications are constantly going off. And you know what happens to me about 50 times a day? I say, right, I'm going to check the weather. Val needs to know if kids need to wear a sweatshirt or not to school. Okay, let me check. Oh, somebody just texted me. Hold on a second. All right, yeah, okay, yeah, they got the, I got that birthday card for them. They're going to be picking up. They're going to be here at church at three. Okay, all right, there's another text message there. All right, yeah, okay. And I forgot about the weather. Happens to me 50 times a day. And so we came here thinking, I'm coming to church. Let's see what Josh is preaching on today. But before we know it, we thought we were listening to the word and we've been distracted away from it. So we've got that, we want to be listening, but then there are distractions that come up. And the Bible says in the middle of all of that, Christ describes it here as the devil working takes it away from their hearts, and the result is that they would not believe and that they would not be saved. Our first point today is no response. Church, may we commit ourselves to doing the hard work of saying, I can't play around with the word of God. I need to recognize the value in it. I need to understand this book as God revealed that it is, that it's the truth. It's the answer to the world. It's God's love to us being explained. 
It's alive. It's a light. It's what guides us. It's God's revelation of himself to us that you and I would say, this book means the world to me. When we have no response to it, it's like we don't understand how good it is. It's just not important to us. I want to tell you what happens at our house sometimes. Val's a great cook, and we love it when she cooks dinner for us, and she does it a lot. And there are times where she'll make a nice full dinner. I mean, homemade mashed potatoes and some good green vegetable. My favorite is lima beans. I know people don't like lima beans that much, but I love lima beans. The more butter and the more salt, the better. I love lima beans. She makes some mashed potatoes and some lima beans, some kind of good meat. Val makes homemade bread a lot, so we got homemade bread with it. And we sit there, and, and, and one of our kids will act like it's not good. And they don't like it. And they eat just a few bites, and they'll just wait until they can get up from the table. And about as soon as they get up from the table, their plate's still full of that delicious meal. They're in the pantry saying, can I have a bag of goldfish? This happens sometimes. And the adults are going... She just spent all that time making homemade bread and homemade mashed potatoes and vegetables and meat. Man, this is such a good meal. I'd rather have this little baggie of goldfish. And you know what? People are like that. Church people are like that with this book. We did enough to get here, but we're not going to respond to it. There's other things out there that will take a deeper root in our lives. Church, may we hear the first warning that the devil works so that we would not respond to the message. May we be a responding people. That's the first response, no response. The second response that we see is a brief response, a limited response. It's not a lifetime response. It's not a committed response. It's just a brief response. This is the, this is the heart or the, the soil that is rocky. This is the one that the seed was sown on it, but it landed among the rocks. Look what it says at verse 6. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, so it sounds good, fell on the rock as it grew up. It withered away because it had no moisture. You jump over to verse 13. You see how Jesus explains it. He says, and the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. Y'all, I think that's probably the majority of people in the USA. I think so. I think that verse 13 is the majority of people in our country. Baptists have a real distinct doctrine called eternal security or perseverance of the saints or once saved, always saved. You've heard that before, right? So that if you ever get saved, you're saved until the end. And the Bible does teach that. But the Bible also teaches that a lot of people that thought they were saved weren't ever saved, right? And so if you're not saved, okay, and if you say you're saved and later you don't say you're saved, the Bible says you were never saved. You never trusted in Christ. 
And it's as simple as one little verse like this that helps bring clarity to that. Now, the Bible teaches that through and through, that there are people that fall away. There are a lot of Christians out there talking about once saved, always saved, that don't know how to handle all these falling away passages. There are lots and lots of falling away passages. And Jesus just, here, just says here really simply, they never had the root. They heard the word, man, they thought it was awesome. Hey, God loves me forever, great, I like that. I'm gonna walk out of here smiling today. Just for a little while, no root, no depth, no moisture. It's not good soil where roots are growing down deep. It's rock, there's no roots. It's not gonna last. You ever had a little crack in, the, in your driveway or in the sidewalk and you see like a little tree sticking up? It's not gonna become a giant oak tree. You know that, there's no, there's no room for it. It'll grow for a little bit, and it's kind of neat to see that that can happen. But you're not going to hang a swing from it here in 30 years. There's, it's concrete. It's just a little puddle right there where some water got, and a seed got in there, and it was enough for a tree like this to grow. But it's never going to be anything. Hey, our world is full of people like that. And then they tag on there, once saved, always saved, to mean that they're going to heaven. Jesus says right here, no, you weren't ever saved, and you're not going to heaven. I make sure we know what the Bible says. We gotta make sure that we see this. Brief response, the rocky heart. While it was easy for a little bit, they followed God's truth. They received it with joy, but they have no root. They believed for a little while, but they fall away. J.C. Ryle commenting on this says, feelings, no doubt, fill a most important office in our personal Christianity. Without our feelings, there can be no saving religion. Hope and joy and peace and confidence and resignation and love and fear are things which must be felt if they even really exist. But it must never be forgotten that there are religious affections which are spurious and false, and they spring up from nothing better than animal excitement. It is quite possible, listen to this, it is quite possible to feel great pleasure or deep alarm under the preaching of the gospel and yet be utterly destitute of the grace of God. It is totally possible to come here and think, man, that sermon was all on love and if we love, we'll make the world a better place and God loving me is the best thing in the world and walk out of here and be unmoved by it. It's totally possible to come in here or hear somebody have a conversation with you about judgment and hell and, and all of that, and you think, man, I don't want that to happen to me. I mean, I'm thinking about that a lot now, and yet walk away from that conversation still unchanged. It happens all the time. This isn't what I'm saying because I've observed in the world the way people are. This is Jesus 2,000 years ago. There's been a lot of books written about people pointing fingers saying, well, that church failed because they didn't know how to do ministry, and that discipleship failed because they don't know how to make disciples, and Jesus is saying, no, that's what happens every single time somebody preaches. Every single time somebody shares the gospel, sometimes it falls on uh, uh, a beaten path, sometimes it falls on rocky soil, sometimes nothing happens, sometimes something happens, sometimes something happens that's not going to be real. This is what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. This isn't what Jesus is saying based off the experience of 2,000 years of church history. Jesus isn't saying this at a, at a conference to all the people that are struggling in their churches. Jesus is saying this is how it works when the gospel is preached. This is what happens. I went to high, I went to high school in the 90s. Started high school in 94, graduated high school in 98, 1998. 
And when I was in high school, these like church pageants and these church uh, uh, skits were really, really popular. And, and, I'm, and I'm from North Carolina, you know, in the Bible Belt, and there's a lot of stuff like this. And these churches would put on these big, big, big things. I remember one called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. And you invited everybody that you knew, and literally like every single kid at every single high school went. It was like the coolest thing to do. And you went there, and it was well done. It was a full presentation. It was, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a really, really moving thing, a ton of emotion. And it basically said, you do not want to go to hell and be in fire forever. If you'll trust in Christ, you don't have to. And y'all, during the 90s, every time somebody would do one of those, every kid that you knew, literally hundreds of kids in the high school would say, I'm getting saved. And they would say they get saved. And by, if they went on a Friday night, at Sunday they'd have been at church. By the next Wednesday, about half would have been at a youth group somewhere. By the next Friday, they were thinking about going back. And by the next Sunday, it was already over with. Nothing else. I can't tell you how many people I could name for you right now that they went to that thing, they got saved, broke up with their girlfriend because that wasn't a healthy relationship, tried to go to church the same one, tried to live for God, and two weeks later, they were back with their girlfriend. I could name for you a lot of people like that. And somebody's saying, because of once saved, always saved, that those people are fine and right with God. Jesus is saying, no. That looked like an emotional experience. That looked like some feelings that never took root. Listen to verse 13 again. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. That sounds good, doesn't it? But it's not enough to know if it's good. These have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. Church, we cannot let that be us. We cannot be strictly based off our emotional experience. We cannot be people that do not have a root inside of us that is the truth, that is the salvation of God, that is repentance of our sins and trust in Christ. There is a response to the word that is a brief and limited response. This is why the Bible says many times you must persevere until the end. This is why the Bible says that if God is with us, he is with us always, even until the end. This is why the Bible says that if God is with us, he will never leave us or forsake us. He doesn't come into your life, take up residence by indwelling of the Holy Spirit, become the Lord of your life and convict you of your sins and give you the new birth and then abandon that. He never will. If he is with you, he is with you always until the end. It is the Holy Spirit's presence inside of us, presence inside of us that gives us spiritual life. And it is God's presence inside of us that becomes the root, the root that is giving us faith that will never go away. An outward Christianity without root does not last. Now, this doesn't say two weeks. This doesn't say two months. Hey, there are a lot of people out there where it was a good 10, 15 years. 
Because sometimes going to church will help you make some friends, and sometimes going to church will make you feel good about yourselves. And listen to me, we know this in our country so well. Sometimes going to church will give you a place to give some money for a good cause, and you can use that when you do your taxes. I mean, we could go all and on, on and on to the benefits of going to church without Jesus. I mean, it's just real. We know that. We're nice. Anybody that shows up here tomorrow will buy your lunch. We got drinks we'll hand out tomorrow. Man, we could do all sorts of things. There's all sorts of good things that happen through churches. I know the world says a lot of bad things that happen through churches, but there's also a lot of good things that happen through churches. None of that necessarily means that you've got a root inside of you of repenting of your sins and trusting in Christ. This is what Jesus is pointing out. There's a brief response that starts with joy, but it's not going to last. We need to be the people that say, that's not me. Man, Jesus is real in my life. I know what he's done to me. I know if he starts it, he'll finish it. I am confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1.6. We know what the Bible says. We know how God works. May we hear this second warning of the brief, limited response. There's a third one. And this one I'm calling, calling a shallow response. There's the no response, and there's the brief response, and now thirdly, there is the shallow response. This is not a rocky soil. This is a soil that has thorns in it, okay? So there is some dirt there, and there is some moisture there, and there is some seemingly some growth there when you're talking about a plant, but there are thorns. This is verse 7, verse 7. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it, choked it out. Verse 14, Jesus explains, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. This is the shallow response that says, I want to be a Christian, but there are other things more important to me. Most people don't say it that way. They live it out that way. Very few will actually admit, yes, I'm a Christian, but I'd rather sin this way. Most people don't say that. Lots of people live that. Jesus says here, that's a shallow response. And he gives an incredible picture of thorns choking it out. You ever planted a garden and didn't weed it? You ever planted a flower bed and didn't weed it? What wins eventually? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. You ever seen a plot of land that's been cleared and mowed all the way down and then they didn't do it for a couple of seasons? And so a couple years later, it's the most overgrown thing. There was some good stuff in there at one point. But the weeds can choke it out, absolutely. They take the nutrients, they take the moisture, they take the food, they take the life of the very thing that's supposed to be fed. Man, Jesus is a good teacher, isn't he? I mean, the Bible tells us that nobody teaches like Jesus. He's the greatest teacher ever. Think about this. And what y'all wish y'all had, I know, is that's a really short sermon, isn't it? I mean, it's literally verse 4 to verse 15. It's not even long. And it packs such a punch. 
Hey, it's not good when we have a shallow response to the living word of God. It's not good when we have a shallow response to a crucified Jesus. It's not good when we know that he's the king of kings and lord of lords and the judge of all and that one day we will bow before him and yet we just have a shallow response. I know he says this, but I'd rather do this. I know he says to find my rest in him, but I'm not gonna find my rest in him. I know that he's supposed to be my identity and my security, but I'm gonna look for other things to be my identity and my security. Listen to how he says this. Our faith is choked by the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life. What a message. Hey, church, let me set you free right now by the message of God. We don't care about the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. We care about the affirming love of God through Christ our Savior. We care that the Bible says that God wraps us up in his grip and nothing will snatch us out of his hands. We care about our names are written in the Lamb's book of life forever. We care about knowing that God is honored and pleased and worshiped when we love him and trust him, when we live for God, when we would rather obey God than obey man, when we would rather do what God wants us to do than what anybody else wants us to do. That's what we care about. Our treasure is not stuff here. Our pleasure is not stuff here. Our cares are not to be stuff here. This place is not our home. We are strangers and aliens here. And soon, very soon, we are going to meet the king. And any day now, any moment, he will come back to get us. We just read that in Revelation. May you not be choked out. May your religious life not be choked out. May your faith not be choked out because you're trying to keep up with your lost friends. You got people in your life and coworkers in your life and people you hang out with that aren't focused on God. They don't care about God. They're not satisfied deep down. And we're giving our cares and our energies to trying to be like them. Go ahead and be set free by saying, I'm not like them. We do it differently. We're okay with that. The world can go whatever direction they want to go. We're going this direction. This is what we care about. He loves us more than anybody else loves us. We have a peace that only he can give. We have an anchor in our soul. We have a foundation under our feet. That's what we care about. And this word tells us all about it. Nobody loves you as much as God loves you. Nobody is gonna stay by your side as much as God will stay by your side. Nobody will never let you down the way God will never let you down. And you know it that so many people in your life have no hope in any of that. They don't have any comfort or security. They're searching so much for it. So stop trying to be like them and let yourself be satisfied in the truth of God saying how much he loves you, that Christ is the Lord and Savior. It's a shallow response when we say, Jesus is important to me, but there are things that are more important to me. Ryle says, thousands of things, which in themselves are innocent, become when followed to excess, little better than soul poisons and helps to hell. Little things, thousands of little things that in and of themselves are not that bad. But it all goes together and makes it where God's not that important to you. 
and it'll lead you to hell. Rao goes on to say, open sin is not the only thing that ruins souls. This is a strong word. Listen to this. Open sin is not the only thing that ruins souls. In the midst of our families and in the pursuit of our lawful callings, we need to be on guard, except we watch and pray these temporal things may rob us of heaven. And another, every sermon we hear, we may live and die thorny ground hearers. We hear the word, but the world we live in, our lives, choke it out, and we don't heed it. It's just not that important to us. That's the third response. We've got no response. The devil kind of takes it away. We've got the brief response. There's no root there. We've got the shallow response. Other things are more important to us. And then lastly here, we have the believing response. We have the good soil, the one that bears fruit because it is believing God's truth. It is surrendering and submitting to what Jesus has taught us. It is trusting that the love of God is better than life. Psalm 63, 3. Look at verse 8. And some fell, some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And then look over to verse 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Y'all, there are some people out there that when they hear the word of God, it starts to change them. There are people in the world who have lived differently than the way they were raised, have gone a different direction than everybody else is going because the Bible says so. There are people out there trying hard to turn from their sins and walk in a manner pleasing to God because the Bible says so. There are people out there clinging in their hearts by faith, holding fast to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because the Bible says so. This is the proper response. Jesus, being the master teacher he is, describes that heart as being the good soil. I know most people are generally not very good at gardening and planting and all of that, and they, they've seen a lot of plants and gardens die in their time, but you probably know somebody that's the opposite of that and is really good, right? A green thumb, man, they can do it, right? Every time I'm at my dad's house, he pulls out some plant or shows me something in the yard that he found dead or was on the side of the road or somebody else was getting rid of or whatever, and he said, man, you're not going to believe it. I just took this thing and put in some good soil and started taking care of it and looking after it day by day. And now look, it has this big thing with the flowers all over it. And the Bible is describing that sort of growth, life, as what happens inside of us when we hear the word of God. When I reflect back on my life, I can think about like me being 19 years old and in college and, and sitting in a Bible study or sitting in a church and hearing a message and just thinking, that is for me. That message is for me. It's time for me to make some changes. I remember being 18 years old and asking if I could be a spiritual leader. And I remember the leader of that campus ministry looking me straight in the eye and say, no. 
You're not mature enough in your faith. You're not ready for that. You're not taking it serious. You're not even really a good witness with your life. You might be a leader for Jesus one day, but not right now. I remember that. And then I remember a year later, that same leader giving me an opportunity. And I remember the messages of the word of God starting to change me. I've said it many times, but I remember clear as day at Valdosta State University in South, 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 South Georgia, the first time I was ever told of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, I will never forget it. I was 19 years old. Revelation 5, 9, and 7, 9 says that Jesus died for every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. I had never heard that. I went to a school that had zero diversity. I grew up in a community that had zero diversity. But ever since somebody showed me that Jesus died for every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, I want my life to be about every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And the word of God is like that. You hear the word of God. I remember a long time ago memorizing 1 John 1, 9. A lot of y'all know that one, don't you? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I can't tell you how many times I've said the wrong thing, done the wrong thing, failed, let people down in high school, in college, in relationships, with my parents, with my home, with my children, with my wife, with you all. I can't tell you how many times I've been reminded that Jesus died for all of our sins. And if I will turn back to him, he will forgive me of my sins. The Bible is alive. And if you will hear it and not hurry away from it, give heed to it, not have zero response to it, be indifferent, not have a brief response to it where you allow yourself to forget about it, not have a shallow response to it where it's not that important to you, but you will say, man, God is working in me through this. I can't get away from it. I'm almost addicted to Sunday mornings because I want to hear more of what God says. I want to know what the truth says. It's going to work in me. I realize that there's a lot of people out there that don't know what God says and don't care what God says, but I can't explain it. He's doing this to me. The word is working in us. I remember several years ago, this church had about 30 or 40 people left in it. We didn't have a youth ministry, really. We had zero kids in our church, zero babies in our church. And I remember Josh Powell saying, don't know what to do, but we're going to preach the word. We're going to preach the word every Sunday. We're gonna preach the gospel every Sunday. We're gonna preach the word. We're gonna preach the word. We're gonna preach the word. And if Jesus can be trusted, that when the word is sown like seed, sometimes it falls on hearts that are good soil and God gives growth. That's what God does through this book. He'll do it in your family. He'll do it on your street. He'll do it in your school. He'll do it wherever. If we'll sow the seed, he'll make it land on the hearts that he'll give growth to. The apostle Paul affirmed it by saying, the, the apostle Paul affirmed that by saying, we're not here to give any man any glory or any attention. One man plants the seed, one man waters the seed, but God gives the growth. Because there are some hearts that are good soil and God's gonna go to work in it. Now, here's what we know. 
You can't ever really tell, can you? Some are an excited response that's going to fizzle out at some point. Some are a shallow response that's going to get choked out. You can't observe that. There's no way to observe that. But Jesus tells us this so that you and I would be warned to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word, like James tells us. May we be real Christians who believe the Bible. And we say without any hesitation, this word is taking root inside of me and changing me from the inside out. May that be our story. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the believing response. And we hear the warning. God, we do have a lot of distractions and we confess we're not the best listeners to begin with. But your word is alive and it works. Father, we pray that it would take root in us. That the devil would not be allowed to take it away from our hearts. That we would not be those that have no root. That we would not be those that are more focused on other things, God. But we would be those like good soil that it gets down inside of us. Father, we ask for you to do that. Spread the seed, plant the seed, and give growth to the seed for your glory. God, Jesus is the answer. And we pray, God, that we would treasure him up that way in our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.